Eagles Entertainment. With the 15th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft Podcast, presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and it's finally here. One of my favorite podcasts of the calendar year, the Mock Draft Extravaganza. 32 experts from around the business, local beat writers, national draft analysts, everybody in between. They're going to provide the first 32 picks here in this Mock Draft, and I'm sure we are going to go 32 for 32. We'll see. We'll see exactly how many of these picks we get right. It's going to be a really fun draft to cover. Now, for this Mock Draft, Again, these 32 experts, they're going to be the ones making the picks. But responding to those picks, myself, Ben Fennell, and Greg Cosell. It's going to be about 90 minutes of a, in terms of a mock draft. We'll talk about it as we go. It's going to be really fun. Hope you guys enjoy this exercise. The best way to throw us your support. Draft week is here, obviously. We're just a couple a couple days away here from the NFL draft, depending on when you're listening to this. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Let us know that you loved the show. Hey, what you liked. What are the segments you liked? What are the episodes that you liked? If there were things that you liked about the show, if you listened on a weekly basis from you know back in the summer all the way up through now, even if you just joined us late in the draft, process make sure you go on apple Podcasts. let us know because i want to always try and make this show better so if there are things you liked even if there are things you didn't like you want to see more of make sure you head on over to apple Podcasts. that is the number one way to throw us your support also before we get into the mock draft uh eagles draft central if you are an eagles fan listening to this podcast you want to make sure you are tuned into all the eagles digital channels throughout the course of draft weekend myself gabriella digiovanni ross tucker dave spadaro we're gonna have great guests we're gonna be talking through players we're gonna have outstanding access make sure you check out Eagles Draft Central. You're nowhere is going to be able to provide that kind of instant analysis that you will get with all of these Eagles selections here over the next few days. It's going to be really, really fun uh, next few days here over on Eagles Entertainment. Again, wherever you get your Eagles content. That said, let's get this mock draft rolling. We've got a long process here ahead of us here. Greg Cosell, Ben Fennell, 32 others are going to join us now. It's time for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, well, let's get things started here with the Mock Draft Roundup here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm going to welcome in Ben Fennell and Greg Cosell. Guys, uh, the 2022 Mock Draft Extravaganza, it's officially open. Ben, a, a lot of buzz about this draft. And obviously, it all starts number one overall. Uh, as we sit here, we're recording this early Tuesday afternoon. What do you think about number one, uh, where the Jaguars go? It seems like we're getting a lot of buzz one way, but I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts as we start the exercise. Well, it's going to be an exciting week, and there's no clear number one overall pick, which makes the excitement and the anticipation that much more heightened. And we are in full mock draft, draft prediction mode, which seems like we're done evaluating the players. Now we just want to know where they go. We're getting a little anxious, a little eager to know their landing spots, to know the movement in the first round. We know there are going to be some unpredictable trades. We all just want those answers already. It's going to come in about 48 hours. So let's see if we can maybe uh, take a stab at how we think it's going to uh, fall out. All right. Well, we will start with the, the, the person that is selecting for the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> and that is John Shipley, the beat writer for the Jaguar Report. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore John underscore Shipley. And the pick is in. With the first pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Jacksonville Jaguars select. Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher, Michigan. Greg, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, the, the first pick off the board in this mock draft. Uh, was there ever a doubt? Uh, is this the pick that you think makes the most sense in your mind? That's always a hard question, but I think you're dealing with a guy that's going to be a good player. You know, whether he's a special player, I don't know if there's people at the top of this draft like that, players like that. 
but I think Hutchinson to me is just a really solid player. Um, I think he's very advanced mentally in the way he sees the game. I thought to me, one of the things that really stood out watching tape, and, and this is why I love watching full games, is I thought he had a plan for pretty much everybody he played against, and that's pretty rare for a college defensive end. So I think Hutchinson will be a, one of those guys you can line up every week. He'll play pretty much every snap. Uh, and the other thing that stood out is he finished. When he had a chance to make a play, he made a play. He didn't miss opportunities. Well, this is the analysis from John. The Jaguars really like Trayvon Walker, and his upside is enticing thanks to his otherworldly athleticism and his explosive and violent play style. But the Jaguars can't afford to pass up on the layup selection in Hutchinson. After four wins in two years, the Jaguars go with the safe pick and add a much-needed missing piece to their pass rush with the high floor, Aiden Hutchinson. The Detroit Lions are now on the clock, Ben. Uh, just thoughts on Hutchinson. Opposite Josh Allen, Caleb on Chason is there coming out of LSU uh, recently in, in the NFL draft. He's now going to come off the bench, I would assume. Uh, what are your thoughts here in terms of uh, Hutchinson being the first guy off the board? Well, you know me. We've watched enough film of edge rushers over the years. I love the power three down edge rushers that can play the run on early downs. Believe it or not, teams can pass on first down as well in this league. So you have to be able to be on the field to make plays. Hutchinson's a three down player. He's strong. He's not looking to run around anybody. Loves blasting through inside shoulders and power moves, going from point A to point B. I think he's going to be a very productive pro. Is he going to be a 15-sack guy year after year? Probably not. But he's going to be playing a lot, which means the production will be that much more opportunistic. And I think he's going to be a really strong player in this league for a number of years. Well, obviously, a, a lot of buzz going in the direction of Trayvon Walker. And I did ask John, we, we did this mock draft uh, a little bit earlier. It was late last week. And I asked John, I said, do you think the buzz with Trayvon Walker is legitimate? And he does think so. Uh, obviously, at this point, uh, a lot of signs are pointing towards Trayvon Walker being this pick. John did say, ultimately, I think the Jaguars are down to two choices, Hutchinson and Walker, with Iki Aquanu trailing as a distant third option. Walker has all the traits that Trent Baalke likes in the defensive lineman. And he could see Walker as a moldable ball of clay, I just think the Jaguars would love to trade down as well. In fact, I think they'd rather do that than either pick Hutchinson or Walker at number one. With that said, that seems highly unlikely. Uh, now, let's get to the Detroit Lions and uh, selecting for the Lions, Chris Burke, the beat writer for The Athletic. You could follow him on Twitter at Chris Burke NFL. And the pick is in with the second pick in the 2022 NFL Draft extravaganza, the Detroit Lions select Trayvon Walker, edge rusher from Georgia. Uh, so, Ben, thoughts on Walker uh, going here number two? It feels like no matter which way you slice it, Hutchinson and Walker are going off the board in those first two picks. Yeah, I think the upside and the uh, you know the athletic explosiveness and uh, what he can do, his potential, is very exciting. Really isn't that much different from an Aiden Hutchinson, though. I think you're going to get a three-down, really tough player, run defender on early downs, power rusher that you can slide inside in some sub-packages. I think these guys are going to be on the field a ton. I think they're going to be really strong players on early downs. And I think the fact that they're going to play a lot is going to, you know, increase their QB pressures and sacks and things like that. So Trayvon Walker, I think, is a really strong player. I think he's a Dan Campbell type of player. Listen, I don't care. He's not looking to run around anybody. He's a guy that plays with exceptional hand placement at the point of attack. Very strong player. I think he's going to be a really good pro. 
Well, here's the analysis from Chris Burke. This is not an easy call here because even with the Lions building, I think you'd get arguments for Walker, for Kayvon Thibodeau, for Kyle Hamilton, even a Jermaine Johnson or a quarterback here at number two overall. If we narrow it down to either Walker or Kyle or, or Kayvon Thibodeau, this is mostly just reading between the lines on what the Lions want to do with their front and with their culture. Walker makes more sense as a hand in the dirt, three down defender with obvious pass rush upside. Uh, the Houston Texans are now on the clock, but before we get to Houston, uh, Greg, you know, we know that every draft, there are essentially two drafts, and you've talked about this before. There's the quarterback draft, and then there's everybody else. On a right. scale of 1 to 10, how shocked would you be if the Detroit Lions did ultimately decide to go quarterback here? Uh, it seems like the name that has been floated around with them at number two was Malik Willis. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how shocked would you be if that was the way that they decided to go instead of a pass rusher here with this selection? I would be very surprised for sure. Because number one, their GM came from the Rams. Their GM was there when they drafted Goff. Um, I think they owe Goff, Jared Goff, a good amount of money. And you can win with Jared Goff as your quarterback if you have enough team. We know that. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's won a lot of games in the NFL. So I would be very shocked, uh, very surprised, I should say, if they were to take a quarterback at two. So I actually asked Chris that question, and the, the response he gave is that they were very impressed with Malik Willis during the Senior Bowl, but I don't think that they see themselves as being in a position to draft him at number two. If they trade back or if Malik Willis slides, it becomes a little bit more real, realistic. So uh, thoughts from Detroit there on the possibility of adding a quarterback here in the top five. Um, he also said that if the Jaguars did go with Trayvon Walker, then Aiden Hutchinson would be a slam dunk pick for Detroit there. So again, it seems like no matter which way you slice it, these two guys are going to go one-two in this draft. Now, a lot of people, guys, will say that the draft really starts at number three because it seems that those two pass rushers are going to go one, two. So for this pick, we're going to go out to Houston, selecting for the Texans, Brooks Kubena, who is a beat writer for the Houston Chronicle, covering the Houston Texans. You can follow him on Twitter at B Kubena. The pick is in. And with the third pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Houston Texans select... Iki Aquanu, tackle, NC State. Uh, Greg, uh, Aquanu is a guy that we, we have talked about. Obviously, a, a lot of fun to study. Are you shocked that this is the way the Houston Texans ultimately go in this mock draft? No. And then the question is, where are they going to play him? You could easily make the argument that this guy is a guard and not a tackle, which, by the way, yep. many teams see him as such. Uh, I think you could play him a tackle, uh, but I assume that they would see him as a guard, given who's on their roster. So I know that there's a sense that he's an all-pro guard waiting to happen with all the traits that he has, whereas a tackle, there are some things, there are some inefficiencies in his pass protection. But uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they took a Guan. No, I think he's going to be a really good player. You know, I think back to when, and I know Ben remembers this as you do, Fran, when the when Washington took Brandon Sheriff with, uh, was it the fifth pick in the draft, yep, I believe? Fifth and overall. he was a tackle at Iowa, and he was a guard the second they drafted him. So, I mean, there's certainly precedent for doing something like that. You know, it's always interesting to me when people talk about value picks. Value picks are great conversations at this time of year for people like us. But when you're playing on Sunday and you can't run the ball and you can't protect your quarterback, the whole concept of 
platitudinous conversations about value picks really doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, you've got Laramie Tunson on left tackle. It yeah. seems like Titus Howard is better off at right tackle as opposed to inside at they guard. They like him there too, by the way. Yeah, well, here's yeah. Uh, what Bruce Brooks had to say uh, about the selection. He said, with the top two pass rushers gone, Nick Casario has his choice between two of the best offensive linemen in the draft with Aquanu and Alabama's Ev- Evan Neal. Even if, say, Trayvon Walker were available here, the Texans must think long and hard about investing in the offensive line for one very important reason. They must know what they think of second-year quarterback Davis Mills. Newly elevated Pat Pallinson's offensive scheme must be better equipped for the Texans to have an answer before the quarterback-heavy 2023 draft arrives. So, Ben, real quick, uh, just thoughts on Equanu over Evan Neal. Uh, how do you see those two comparing? Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, that? Compa- that uh, those two guys being kind of joined at the hip here in this draft? I have no issue with the the preference of Aquano over Neal. I thought Greg really set up his uh, you know potential to slide inside really well. I view him as a guard. I think some of those issues out on the perimeter and the oversetting can really be immediately kind of protected by just sliding inside. He's a guy that played guard at a high level. Probably the most advanced run-blocking prospect I've ever watched. Mm. And that's Quentin Nelson, that's Brandon Scherf, that's the centers, that's all the tackles in the top 10 for the last 10 years. He is a really, really impressive run blocker in a variety of ways. I think immediately Laramie Tunsil and Iki Aquano left tackle, left guard, immediately make them one of the more fearsome and, you know, probably one of the better one-two tackle guard combos in the NFL. So this is a team that obviously is trying to fix the roster and positional value. Why do you take a guard early in the top 10? Hey, listen, if he plays for 10 years, it's a good pick. You take a safety in the top 10, he plays for 10 years. It's a good pick, a running back, whatever other position you don't feel is warranted in the top 10. Get good players, let them play well, and never look back. And that's kind of the name of the game. Improve your roster, get better, and never look back. And I think looking too hard at the positional value and the projection and the second contract is way too down the road thinking. Get better, improve your roster, find good players. The I would say the uh, outside of Aquanu, the player that now is starting to gain a lot of heat in terms of going number three, Derek Stingley uh, from LSU. And that would be the selection I would keep an eye on here uh, once we get to Thursday night. Let's get to number four here at the New York Jets and selecting for the New York Jets. Connor Rogers, the lead draft analyst for Bleacher Report, always has his eye on his uh, his favorite team, the New York Jets. You can follow him on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. And the pick is in. With the fourth pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the New York Jets select Kayvon Thibodeau, pass rusher from Oregon. Uh, ben, did you expect pass rusher here? What did you think of this selection? Do you think that they could uh, go offensive line? They Evan Neal still on the board. Sauce Gardner has been mocking them often, potentially even another wide receiver. Uh, what are your thoughts there on number four with the Jets going with Thibodeau? In an all-encompassing statement, you can plug an edge, edge rusher to all 32 teams right. and I would have the same reaction. You need not only one, probably two, maybe even three guys to get after the quarterback consistently. So keep adding quarterback hunters and guys that rush the passer with athleticism and explosiveness and playmaking to your your defensive line front. Really excited to see Carl Lawson healthy. They spent a lot of money on free agency last year. Unfortunately, got hurt. This would be the bookend on the other side. They clearly have a need of a starting corner as well. So maybe the Stingley-Gardner conversation would be a little bit more... Um, you know, it was probably contentious in their draft room, but adding a Kayvon Thibodeau, I'm excited for them. I'm excited for Kayvon. I think he's certainly warranted getting drafted at that spot. And uh, I think him and Carl Lawson would be an excellent one-two punch. 
Well, let's get to the uh, analysis from Connor here. It says they're desperate for edge pass rush help as the front four is the engine for Robert Sala's defense. KT's explosiveness off the ball will fit in perfectly with a scheme that requires the defensive ends to pin their ears back and get up the field. With Carl Lawson returning, Quinnen Williams and Sheldon Rankins on the inside, and John Franklin Myers in a hybrid role, this group should be much improved from last year. Greg, you know this Robert Sala defense. How do you think Kayvon Thibodeau fits uh, with what they typically look for up front in, in that style of defense? Well, he definitely wants to rush with four. and They'll blitz selectively, but he is not a high-percentage blitz defensive coordinator. Uh, he's a head coach now, obviously, but defense is his background. So I think that that's what they're looking for. Um, Thibodeau's game is built on get-off and power. He's not really a bendy guy. He's not a flat-in-the-rush-path guy. His game is built on power and get-off. There's so many examples where he just gets off the ball and just – he based, in college, he beats the, the offensive tackle just with his get-off. We'll see if that happens at the NFL level, but that's what his game is built on. Uh, I did ask Connor, was there anybody else that was a possibility for him as the Giants are on the clock? Uh, he did say that if Iki Aquanu had fallen to them at number four, he feels like there would be a good debate there. And that is a pick to keep an eye on. Aquanu going to the Jets at number four. Uh, obviously, Evan Neal still on the board. A little bit shocking that they would go Evan Neal or not go Evan Neal in this pick. But they decide to go defense. That brings the New York Giants uh, to the, the selection here. And picking for the New York Giants is ESPN NFL Nation reporter Jordan Renan. You can follow him on Twitter at Jordan Renan and the pick is in with the fifth pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza the New York Giants select Evan Neal tackle from Alabama uh Greg what do you think is it a no-brainer for a team that's obviously trying to continue to build up around Daniel Jones and really kind of make sure that he is what they hope that he is at this point in his career yeah, I would think he'd be their left tackle and that Andrew Thomas would move back to right tackle where I think he's a better player. So I think they probably see it that way. Um, I personally really like Neil as a left tackle. I, I, I don't know if I view him as special, you know, at the, at the level of the guys that are special, special. Uh, but I think given his length, given his overall traits, he's a really good left tackle prospect. I did ask Jordan because there's been a little bit of buzz about the Giants with Charles Cross and even potentially putting Cross at right tackle, which despite him playing left tackle, he did say, hey, they, they like Cross, but not more than Evan Neal. So if Evan Neal's on the board, it feels like that might be the, the floor for his draft slot. Uh, the Carolina Panthers are now on the clock. And Ben, real quick, you can react to the Evan Neal selection, but also I want to ask you, where do you think the Panthers go if this is how the board fell? You have the top two offensive tackles gone in Aquano and with Neal. Do you feel like they go Charles Cross? Or do you feel like they go quarterback? Uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think the six overall pick is a major crossroads for the draft based on where the Panthers are going to be kind of ebbing and flowing. They can add some offensive line help to their existing quarterback and regime and Sam Darnold. Do we start to turn the page, but at the expense of maybe not having an elite caliber offensive line in front of a young quarterback, whether it's Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter or Kenny Pickett, whoever is on their board for the six overall pick. Could be going another direction too, though, Fran. You know, this is a team that has a lot of needs on their roster. So I know they've gone back to the cornerback well several times in the draft and trades and free agency. So there's some really interesting players on the board. Six pick, Carolina Panthers. I think this is a major turning point for the draft and really where the draft begins. Well, picking for the Panthers is uh, Billy M uh, on Twitter. You can follow him at Billy M underscore 91. He's the co-host of the Roar podcast covering the Carolina Panthers. And the pick is in. With the sixth pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Carolina Panthers select 
Charles Cross, tackle from Mississippi State. Uh, ben, what do you think? Uh, they end up shoring up that left tackle spot. Uh, that's been a sore spot for them over the last uh, half decade or so. Yeah, certainly. This is, uh, you know, back-to-back teams with major needs on the offensive line and the New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers. So I think adding more high-level players and prospects to the trenches is the name of the game here. I think, you know, addressing your roster inside out is really important. I think these new regimes with the Giants, with the Panthers, really want to protect whoever that future of the organization is going to be at the quarterback position. If you don't have an offensive line that can run the ball and be productive on early downs and keep your quarterback upright on third down, you're swimming uphill for the whole season. So I think adding good players to the trenches is really the name of the game right now for these teams. Yeah, and this is the uh, the analysis here from Billy, who does a great job uh, tracking all things NFL draft, but also uh, from the Carolina Panthers standpoint. He said, Matt Rule needs to win, and none of these quarterback options are enticing enough to take in the top 10. They'll look into the veteran market for an upgrade. The Panthers have held a huge or had a huge hole at left tackle since Jordan Gross retired. This gives them a chance to fill that hole with a reliable pass protector. Uh, the Giants are now on the clock, but Greg, real quick, uh, what do you think of Cross at this point in the draft? Do you like him uh, at this high in terms of his draft slot? Well, now you get into a need for a team. Yeah. They yeah. obviously have a major need at the position. Uh, Cross is a good prospect. I think the way in which he plays, because he's so compact and coiled in his movement, he's not rangy in his feel. He kind of reminded me of Tristan Wirth, just, mm. just the way he looks. Because, uh, you know, Wirth was another guy that has obviously been a really good pro in his first two years, but he doesn't have a rangy feel to his movement. He's, he's very compact and strong. Um, I really I, I like Russ's tape a lot. It'll be very interesting because um, <clears throat> based on what Billy M said, which we all know, Matt rules probably on the clock. And if they start one and five, you know, this is this is the dilemma for teams like Carolina. It's easy to say shore up the old line. And that's you never it, it's like Ben said a moment ago about pass rushes. You can say the same thing about the old line. You can always say that. Um, but if Sam Darnold has, you know, two touchdowns and eight interceptions after five weeks, more than likely Matt Rule will not be the head coach. So it'll be very interesting. Ben's right about this being the crossroad selection in the draft, assuming it plays out the way, you know, relative to what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing to consider is the positional depth at each of these spots, right. which I'll keep chiming in with some perspective. I no longer have any first round tackles left on my board. Neil, Aquanu, Cross were the only three I had first round grades. Penning, Raymond, some guys like that. I think more, more round two types of guys. So if the Panthers see that major drop off, maybe from their third tackle and their fourth tackle, that then makes them more aggressive than go get that guy that they say there isn't a comparable player in the second round. They may have someone comparable at the edge rushing spot, the receiver spot, maybe even the quarterback spot that they feel like they can go back in the second round and get somebody. So the positional depth is always a fun cat and mouse. That's a great, great point. Let's get to the New York Giants here at number seven. Picking for them, Dan Dugan, a beat writer for The Athletic, does an outstanding job. You can follow him on Twitter at ddugan21. And the pick is in. With the seventh pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the New York Giants select... Sauce Gardner, corner, Cincinnati. Uh, ben, thoughts on Gardner being actually, this is the first non-lineman off the board. Six picks, six linemen. Uh, what are your thoughts on Gardner being the first non-lineman off the board here? Well, I think he's certainly warranted of that selection. I know some uh, Giants fans are maybe hoping for a, an edge-rushing bookend, you know, opposite Aziz Jalari out there to start uh, getting after some quarterbacks. But 
I think they clearly have a need for a starting corner and a high-level corner. They have a Dory Jackson and James Bradbury kind of at the at the corner spots right now. I think it's an immediate upgrade to Ahmad Gardner that can play a variety of schemes, play some press man, play some bail zone, play some cover two. At the end of the day, he's a ball hawk. He's going to get the ball back. And this is a team that needs some contribution and some playmaking from the defense. I think adding more high-level playmakers like an Ahmad Gardner is just step one, step two into improving this roster and getting more people to contribute outside of just the quarterback spot and Saquon Barkley and some of the stars. Well, this is from Dan here. So this is the ideal scenario for the Giants. They need a number one corner, and Gardner has the attributes that should fit perfectly in Wink Martindale's system. I do think the Giants will pursue trade opportunities with an eye on on acquiring a 2023 first-round pick. But if they can't find a trade partner, I think they'd be ecstatic to come away from these picks with Neal and Gardner. The Falcons are now on the clock. Real quick, Greg, Dan talked about that scheme fit. What do you think of Gardner going to Wink Martindale's system? Historically, a lot of man coverage, right? What, What do you think of Gardner in that kind of situation? I love it. Gardner's really an aggravating press man corner. He's incredibly long. He has really long arms for a corner. He's 6'3", and I agree with Ben. He can play any scheme, but I think he really excels. He played boundary corner at Cincinnati, and because of the way in which they played using the safety Brian Cook, who was the boundary safety, very often Gardner was simply playing zero man to the boundary, and he's very comfortable in that role, and I think he can press. He can play zone. um, He can do a variety of things, but he is a really aggravating press man corner. You know, I think the way they moved around Marlon Humphrey in that Ravens scheme, I think could be kind of a formula for maybe how they use some Sauce Gardner, particularly on third down. Maybe not always just being that outside corner. Maybe a guy that slides inside as teams like to put some threats at number three in trips and things like that. I think Sauce Gardner has some positional flex to really erase whoever that uh, opposing threat is. I do feel like this is a, a, a good fit here from a draft slot standpoint, team player. I think that makes a lot of sense. Gardner at number seven. Let's get to number eight here with the Atlanta Falcons, one of the mystery teams of the top 10. And for that, we're going to go to Eric Galco, the director of football operations and player personnel of the Shrine Bowl. He joined us weekly back during the fall. You can ch- follow him on Twitter at Eric Galco. And the pick is in. With the eighth pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Atlanta Falcons select Jamison Williams, wide receiver from Alabama. Uh, Greg, what does the addition of Williams mean for this offense, and how do you feel that his presence complements Kyle Pitts, obviously the, the top five pick from a year ago? Well, they don't have any wide receivers, so they really need what's it. It's a need pick, but I think it speaks to what we're all learning every time you speak to anyone, is this offensively now, everyone's thinking explosive plays. And Jamison Williams, because he will heal, whether he's ready week one is irrelevant, is he's he's the playmaker. He's the impact game changer in this receiving core, uh, in this receiving class. And you can line him up inside, outside. You can use him on jet sweeps. You can do all the things that are now part and parcel of the NFL game. He fills all those roles. So uh, real quick from Eric, he says that a quarterback like Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter could be in play, but adding a dynamic weapon to the offense is the play here. Williams is the best wide receiver in the draft, and he plus Kyle Pitts, along with an early draft pick laden offensive line, should set up Marcus Mariota and the quarterback for the future for success in 2022 and beyond. The Seahawks are now on the clock. Uh, Ben, you had mentioned uh, Williams as a possibility here to Atlanta in our over-under segment that we did last week. So I know how you feel about the selection. Uh, Eight picks in. No quarterback off the board yet. Do you think that here in Seattle, this could be where the first quarterback uh, hears his name called? What do you think here as we get into Seattle's pick? 
Yeah, and as I've been saying, all these teams that need the proverbial quarterback of the future have quarterbacks to survive, that have starting experience. So the Seattle Seahawks, they have Drew Locke coming over from the Denver Broncos. The Carolina Panthers have Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker. All these teams have incumbent starters, or they went out and got, like the Panthers, or the Falcons got Marcus Mariota, who's played a lot in this league. All these QB needy teams have quarterbacks to survive. So that's what makes projecting these quarterbacks so interesting. And the only thing I'll say on Jameson Williams, if he didn't have the ACL tear, Fran and Greg, I legitimately think he's in conversation for the first overall pick. Hmm. A very Keyshawn Johnson-like draft with a receiver going one overall, potentially, without the ACL tear and the way he would have run at the combine in his pro day, I really think he would have been in the conversation for the first overall pick. So the Atlanta Falcons getting him at pick seven here, pick eight. I think that's great value, and I think he's going to be a dangerous, dangerous weapon for Arthur Smith's offense. All right, well, let's get to the Seattle Seahawks. Picking for Seattle, Doug Farrar, the NFL editor for USA Today, who lives out in Seattle, so he's got his uh, close eye on the Seahawks. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL underscore Doug Farrar, and the pick is in. With the ninth pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Seattle Seahawks select Trevor Penning, tackle, Northern Iowa. Greg, uh, I know that you have studied Trevor Penning. Uh, what do you think? Uh, does this style match with what uh, the Seahawks want to do from an identity standpoint offensively? Do you feel like this pick fits? If you like Trevor Penning. Right. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't particularly like Trevor Penning, and I didn't think he played to his measurables. The guy's measurables are off the charts. I spoke to an O-line coach who's been in the league 30 years, and he told me the same thing. He said, the guy doesn't play like that. And he said, there's major bust potential with Trevor Penning. So we'll see. I'm sure a lot of people like him. I'm sure O-line coaches will say, hey, the traits are there. The measurables are off the charts. I can make him a player. Well, real quick from Doug, he said, I think Penning has a lot to work on in his game, but the Seahawks love glass-eating tackles, even when they're unfinished, and they're into the quote-unquote spirit guys to a fault. Penning qualifies with his bouncer's mentality, and though this is a reach, it's entirely in sync with Pete Carroll and John Schneider's history and philosophy. They love to get creative in the first round. Penning just fits their first-round profile uh, when they keep their pick. They've already gone after James Carpenter and Jermaine Effetti in the first round, two power guys who didn't really have the athleticism to play tackle at the next level and defaulted to guard. Penning could have that future. Aquanu may be the other player in that template if he were to fall uh, to that point in the draft. Uh, the Jets are on the clock. Ben, I know you've got thoughts uh, here on this Trevor Penning selection of Seattle. Yeah, just a reminder that Shane Waldron, coming over as their new offensive coordinator, spent the last five, six years with the Los Angeles Rams. Also kind of an unconventional left tackle in Andrew Whitworth. Maybe doesn't always look the part of today's NFL tackle. Maybe more of the burly refrigerator type. A lot like Trevor Penning, more the mauling type. So I think there is a formula and a fit there to survive. But I think it's a little bit of a reach there on Trevor Penning. But when you have a need, especially at left tackle there, which right now, Looks like it's Stone Forsythe's job to lose. You better go get one. So I think adding more players to the trenches, adding competition, and I'm not willing to say he's going to just be the left tackle. He might be a guy that slides around the offensive line more than people think. 
Yeah, regarding Seattle, uh, I know there was a report from Mike Garofalo on Monday that uh, that Kayvon Thibodeau could be sliding a little bit, and some people feel uh, that Thibodeau, that could be the floor uh, for him in the top 10 as him falling to Seattle and kind of connecting those dots there. Let's get to number 10 here, New York Jets. Tony Pauline making the pick here for the Jets, our old friend uh, from the uh, from Pro Football Network, the NFL draft analyst there, longtime follower of the New York Jets. You can follow him on Twitter, at Tony Pauline, and the pick is in. With the 10th pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the New York Jets select Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. Ben, we've got finally got uh, a second receiver uh, off the board. We'll see if a, if a run starts here. What do you think? Yeah, he's a really exciting player. I think he's going to be an excellent threat in 32 offenses. I could find uses for him in a variety of ways. Now it's just starting to value the board, who's available, what are our needs. In my opinion, the Jets need two starting cornerbacks. So sitting here looking Derek Stingley Jr. right in the face and saying, let's add some more offensive firepower for Zach Wilson, which they have Corey Davis and spent a second round pick on Elijah Moore and a second round pick on Denzel Mims. And they have some competent players, you know, on the perimeter. So adding a Garrett Wilson certainly makes that offense more explosive. And that's kind of the name of the game right now. Young quarterbacks, young offenses, score, 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 and score some more. So it seems like that's going to be the Jets' uh, philosophy in 2022. Well, here's the analysis from Tony. Sauce Gardner or Trevor Penning would be in the conversation if they were available, but this is a no-brainer for the Jets. They still have a big need at receiver, and Wilson is an excellent system fit and a prospect who displayed steady improvement on the field the past two seasons. Uh, the Washington Commanders are now on the clock. Greg, uh, you plug Wilson in with Corey Davis, with Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, a couple of those tight ends. They signed in free agency. You've got some young running backs on the roster. Uh, how is this depth chart shaping up for Zach Wilson uh, going into year two? Obviously a big year for him. Yeah, and I really like Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson is has inside-outside flexibility. He very much reminded me of uh, someone like Stephon Diggs. Um, I think he's a guy you could plug right in and play. Um, because of the offensive line situation, uh, they – Based on our mock, they would there was no tackle available, so they went with a, a receiver. They want to get weapons for Zach Wilson as he grows in his second year at quarterback. Well, let's get to the 11th pick here as we round out the top 10. Uh, 11th pick overall, we've got the Washington Commanders making that pick. Ben Standig, the senior writer for The Athletic, covering the Washington Commanders and the rest of the NFL. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Standig. The pick is in. And with the 11th pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Washington Commanders select Kyle Hamilton, safety from Notre Dame. Uh, Greg, what do you think of Hamilton uh, in this Ron Rivera defensive scheme? Interesting to see the fit there. Obviously, they put a lot on their safeties in that system. Yeah, I think Hamilton fits in any system. Yeah. I think he's multidimensional safety. Um, I think that you see some of those guys in the league now. Hamilton is is bigger and longer than pretty much any safety we've seen. Um, but uh, you could argue he's similar in the way he can be deployed to someone like Derwin James. James is probably more short area explosive. Hamilton's more is longer and rangier. Um, I think Hamilton can be used in multiple ways. I think he's a really good prospect. And I think the other safety that I really like that they have is Cameron Curl. Yeah. And I think that those two guys would actually go very, very well together. I asked Ben, I said, what did this pick come down to? And he said it came down to Kyle Hamilton or Drake London, which is interesting. There's been some connections there uh, with Washington and Chris Olave, but Ben feels that it's Hamilton or Drake London. Uh, the Vikings are on the clock, but Ben Fennell, let me come to you real quick. Uh, any surprise for you with this pick, or do you feel like this is the kind of the floor for Kyle Hamilton? 
Yeah, I love the selection there. I think he's going to be an excellent fit for Jack Del Rio's defense there and pairing with Cameron Curl. I kind of wanted them to add another first-round front seven player just to see another one <laughs> added to Montez Sweat and Payne and Allen, Chase and Jameen Davis and that group. A lot of first-rounders, even William Jackson over from the Bengals is a former first-rounder. It's going to be seven first-rounders now on this defense of 11 players. So I think Kyle Hamilton is a great pick there, and I love adding just a high-level versatile playmaking weapon on the back end. It's another team that needs more contributions from the defense. Get the ball back for that offense. All right, let's get to number 12 here. And selecting for the Minnesota Vikings, Arif Hassan does an outstanding job covering the Vikings. He's a beat writer for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. And the pick is in. Man, they're laughing here, Fran. You got Stingley on the board, Jermaine Johnson on the board. You you can't miss this pick. With the 12th pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Minnesota Vikings select Derek Stingley, cornerback, LSU. Uh, Greg, tell us what you know uh, about the identity of the Ed Donatel defense and how does uh, Derek Stingley fit into something like that? I think Derek Stingley fits anywhere. Yeah. Um, I think he's a really good press corner. I think he can play off coverage. The ball skills and the ball production are unparalleled for any corner that we may have seen in the last number of years. I mean, you go back to his 2019 tape when he was playing, uh, he played outside uh, pretty much predominantly. I don't want to say every snap. Um, and you'd see, you know, fades ball thrown or those kinds of throws outside the numbers and he would go up and get the ball. I mean, he's he has a receiver background. Uh, ball production is really important for a lot of people at the corner position. He's got that, and uh, and he can play press man, and he can play off coverage. So, to me, Stingley fits any defense you want to play. Let's get into the analysis from Arif. He said, in this situation, I believe the Vikings would pick Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, not only does it feel, fill a need and happen to be the best player available for most boards, it also happens to be a great team and player fit, as the Vikings will help uh, be able to leverage the leadership they have in the secondary, including LSU legend Patrick Peterson, to get the most out of Stingley and address any concerns they might have about his level of motivation. The Vikings have shored up a good chunk of their positional needs in free agency, but do not have an extraordinary talent or long-term contracts in the cornerback room. And so they could use a player at the position to build the new Donatel defense around. Uh, the Texans are on the clock. Ben, I, I, you kind of called it there with uh, with Derek Stingley. He tipped the pick there uh, in terms of the direction they would go. But real quick, just looking forward to the Texans, they went Ike Aquano at number three. What do you think about the Texans at 13? Because me personally, like, I struggle with what direction that they're going to go. I don't know exactly what they're thinking here at this point as we sit here a couple days out. You know, and sometimes that's a good position to be in. You yeah, know, right. Just needing needing so many things on your roster makes them flexible to not be over aggressive with just addressing a hole. But the Minnesota Vikings, I thought they had four, five, six really good caliber players sitting on their board. And you know what? Let's just kind of cut the crap here. We need to close the gap with the Green Bay Packers. Mm. No more Devontae Adams. We added Trayvon Walker to the Detroit Lions. Someone to get after Aaron Rodgers. We got to cover these receivers out there in Green Bay. So adding a Derek Stingley, who was built in a press man lab, essentially, to go cover number one receivers out there. Close that gap with the Green Bay Packers. Seems like it's getting there with the Vikings, the Lions. We'll see where the Bears go in a little bit here. But the Houston Texans, right now, Fran, Greg, throw a dart. And I think you're improving your roster right now. Give me the 10 guys next on your board. Throw a dart. And I think we improved. All right, well, let's get to this Houston Texans pick, 13 overall. I'm going to Lance Zerline, the man behind all of the scouting reports on NFL.com. Does an outstanding job for NFL Network, NFL Media. You can follow him on Twitter, at Lance Zerline. And the pick is in. 
with the 13th pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Houston Texans select Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle from Georgia. Uh, ben, I know you like Wyatt. Give our listeners the thought process behind him going this high in the top 20, top 25. What do the Texans see here with this pick in your mind? Well, they obviously see an explosive playmaking, you know, defensive tackle, all intents and purposes. He's probably a through and through three tech at the next level. Really strong run defender that I think is just scratching the surface with his one-on-one pass rushing ability as the scheme limitations at Georgia really didn't let him just go up the field and beat his guard one-on-one. You saw that a little bit uh, in the Michigan, the Alabama games late in the season. Then at the Senior Bowl, really kicked up. He's a guy that can play some end maybe in a pinch. Reminds me a lot of the way Jarrell Casey played at USC. And then for the Titans, guy was very productive, light on his feet, yet very strong player at the point of attack. I think they're adding some good players here uh, to their trenches there in Houston, which is the name of the game. Inside out, build that roster. Yeah, and look, that you know, Nick Casario comes from New England where uh, age was not a factor for them in terms of the draft. They were fine drafting older players. They always placed an emphasis on the senior ball. Wyatt uh, certainly fits into that category. Here's the analysis from Lance. Wyatt is a true one-gapping three technique with the ability to impact games as both a run defender and a rusher. He fits Lovey Smith's scheme. He gives the Texans a player who understands what a winning culture looks like. Devin Lloyd and George Karlaftis are both in play here as well. So uh, the Baltimore Ravens now on the clock. And Greg, I do want to turn our attention to Baltimore. Just think about them for a a spot here because obviously they're picking ahead of the Eagles. So a lot of our Eagles fans that are listening uh, are wondering exactly which direction Baltimore is going to go. Lamar Jackson entering a contract year. You've got a new defensive coordinator coming in who spent time in that Baltimore system. So maybe not too many big changes on that side of the ball, but what do you think in terms of uh, the the Baltimore Ravens going into this draft? Boy, that's a great question. You know, uh, I I don't have their roster right up in front of me right now. Their defense was not as good last year. Yep. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if they address if they address that um mike mcdonald's their new d coordinator he was there before he took the year in michigan and it's funny because you saw a lot of what you saw a lot of nfl pressure concepts in michigan which you don't see a lot of normally in college football but you saw a lot of it in michigan because he has that nfl background um you know, again, as Ben said, with the prior pick, there's a lot of good players at at a number of positions available. But I, I, I would not be surprised if they thought they needed to start to rebuild their defense a little bit. Hmm. Well, we'll see if they if they decide to go that way. And selecting for the Baltimore Ravens, Jordan Reed, NFL draft analyst for ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. And the pick is in. And with the 14th pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Minnesota Vikings select Jermaine Johnson from pa- the pass rusher from Florida State. Uh, Greg, I know you're high on Jermaine Johnson. How does the, how does he fit this system best? Uh, what do you think about the the young pairing they've got now with Jermaine Johnson and Odafe Owe, the first round pick from a year ago? Well, I really like Jermaine Johnson. I mean, to me, he was actually the best pass rushing talent uh, available in this draft. I think uh, that it's very possible in two, three, four years, he's the guy we're talking about. I love his length. I love the way he used his hands. I thought he played the run really well. I thought one one of the things he did exceptionally well as a pass rusher was keep his feet clean with his long arms. I think he's just scratching the surface of being a really high level pass rusher. But as I said, I thought he played the run really well, too. So to me, his game is multidimensional and complete, and it will just get better because it has a strong foundation to start. 
Well, there's, there's the analysis here from Jordan. He said, Baltimore is still working to bring in more young depth along the defensive line. Pairing Johnson with Odafe Owe gives them a formidable young duo off the edge. I did think about Jordan Davis here, but I went with the premium position. Uh, the Eagles are now on the clock in this mock draft. And Ben, real quick, on the last note there from Jordan, thoughts on Jermaine Johnson over Jordan Davis there for the Baltimore Ravens? Well, I think uh, the Ravens have a clear need of a, a bookend opposite Adafi Owe there at a Penn State last year. Well, I'm not really even sure is ready yet to be an early down player. He seems like he's still just a sub-rushing specialist and a guy that can drop in uh, some zones underneath. But I think they have a clear need at someone that can get after the passer consistently, yet without the expense of early down run defense. Jermaine Johnson's a heck of a pick. I would have no problem selecting him in the top five of this draft. And I think the Ravens sitting here at 14, I think that's a steal all day long. Completely agree with you, Greg. Two, three years down the road, we could be looking back at Jermaine Johnson being one of the premier players in this entire draft. No, there's been plenty of buzz now that he's going to go a little bit higher to the New York Jets, potentially even number four overall. So Jermaine Johnson uh, certainly seems like he may go earlier uh, than he does in this mock draft. Now, let's get to 15 overall. Selecting for the Philadelphia Eagles, we've got Bo Wolf, uh, the beat writer for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Bo underscore Wolf, uh, original host here of the Journey of the Draft podcast. And the pick is in. And with the 15th pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Philadelphia Eagles select. Jordan Davis, defensive tackle from Georgia. Uh, ben, I can go back to your Twitter feed from before the combine where you raved about Davis and his skill set and how you like him just as much, if not more, as more of a gap-shooting defensive tackle as a run-stuffing one. You talked about even earlier this week here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Uh, thoughts here on Jordan Davis landing here in Philadelphia in this exercise? Yeah, as I was just you know diving more into him in a vacuum and peeling more of those layers of the onion back, I thought this was a nose tackle that was a line of scrimmage dwelling guy that, you know, corkscrewed down and held up double teams, let those linebackers shoot past him, which he did do and could do. But I thought some of his best play was getting up the field, playing exceptionally light-footed with exceptional range for 6'5", 350 pounds. I thought he was very quick on his feet. I thought his best play was getting into backfields. I actually don't even love his technique at the point of attack. Plays very high with his pad level, pops straight up, which when you're 6'5", 360 in college, you could get away with that. But I think at the next level, being a single gap scheme and allowing him to be an upfield disrupting penetrator, I think is his best trait. And he's a guy that's played all over the place. He's played nose, he's played some two, four eyes, kicked out to end in sub packages. Oh yeah, he's played some fullback and some tight end and offense too. So Jordan Davis, that big smile, that big frame, get him in that locker room with Jordan Malata and Fletcher Cox. I think it'd be a lot of fun here in Philadelphia. Well, here's the analysis here from Bo. If the Eagles stay at 15, I think their hope is for one of Derek Stingley, Kyle Hamilton, Kayvon Thibodeau, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, or Jordan Davis to fall to that spot. If Davis were to have gone at 13 instead of Devontae Wyatt, I think that's the nightmare scenario, and then they try to trade down. But with Davis on the board, it's easy. They take the guy with rare tools. They bring him along as part of the defensive tackle rotation for a year before turning him loose next year. Hashtag Eagles Beakley for life. Longtime listener uh, of the show will know the, the uh, the joke there with that with that hashtag. Real quick, friend, I'm just kind of uh, projecting the defensive tackle room. We have Fletcher Cox, Hargrave, maybe let's call Milton Williams a D tackle, yeah, no. and then Jordan Davis. We have four players in completely different 
height, weight, speed, shape, sizes, ability. It's a really fun group to get into third and four, third and five, and see what you can do with them. And you would argue there's no more talented defensive tackle group in the NFL than that one. Uh, the the Saints now on the clock. And Greg, we've had the Jordan Conver- or the Jordan Davis conversation before. You and I on this podcast, we've talked plenty about him this offseason with other channels. What do you think about his potential addition to this Eagles defense for any team? I guess that were to take him this high, what would that mean for their projection of him as a player? Well, my first question to Kirby Smart would be, why did he play so few snaps and why did he never play on third down? I need to know the answer to that before I draft Jordan Davis in the top 15, because the answer can't be, well, they had good players at Georgia. There's a lot of good players in the NFL, too. So I want to know why that was the case. And Ben hit on a great point, which I've taken so much grief for. Jordan Davis is a very strong player but he's not a powerful player. He did not move people. He held his ground probably better than any D tackle I saw in college football. That he can do, but he's he stood straight up. He was a leaner, not a mover. So I'm very curious, and Ben could well be right. And to me, that's a, a, a significant projection. Um, I didn't see it quite the way Ben did, and that's okay. I like to think reasonable people can see things differently. Um, I do not see him at this point in his career as a gap-shooting defensive tackle. Maybe he will be that, and if he becomes that, then he's an incredible pick. But I think that's a projection. Eagles fans, Merrill Reese here to tell you about the Eagles Autism Challenge, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. This annual Ride, Run, Walk event supports autism research and programming as we work hard every day to advance the conversation from awareness to action. This year's event will take place on Saturday, May 21st at Lincoln Financial Field. With your support, we can help transform the lives of individuals affected by autism. Register today at eaglesautismchallenge.org. All right, well, let's get to uh, the 16th overall pick here. Picking for the New Orleans Saints is Nick Underhill, who covers the Saints for NewOrleans.Football. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill. And the pick is in. And with the 16th pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the New Orleans Saints select Chris Olave, wide receiver from Ohio State. Uh, Greg, Chris Olave now joins a, hopefully for the Saints' sake, a healthy Michael Thomas in that wide receiver core. How do they complement each other? And what do you think of Olave in that offense and what they think that offense could be? The key is Michael Thomas. Yep. Because if Michael Thomas is healthy, he's an alpha dog. Michael Thomas is an X receiver. You can also line him up, you know, to trips. You can line Michael Thomas up anywhere, but he's an X receiver for the Saints. That's what he was prior to missing this season with injury. He's the true alpha dog. Olave is a compliment. He's a smooth, fluid glider. Um, He's got vertical ability. He's not an alpha dog. He needs to play with one. So assuming Michael Thomas's health is back and he's that guy, then that makes perfect sense for the Saints. Well, here's the, the analysis from Nick. The Saints badly need help at both wide receiver at wide receiver, and Olave is the best available option. He needs to develop better play strength, but his elite route running would allow him to in, or would allow him to slot in next to Michael Thomas and be an immediate impact player. Easy decision, absolute must position, and I think he's a much better fit than Drake London is for the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Chargers are now on the clock. Ben, real quick, 
let's just hit a recap here. The top 16, we're halfway through round one. A few big names still left on this board. Jacksonville goes Aiden Hutchinson at number one. Number two, Trayvon Walker to the Detroit Lions. Number three, Ikki Aquanu, the left tackle to the Houston Texans. New York Jets select Kayvon Thibodeau at number four. At number five, the Giants go with tackle Evan Neal. Number six, another tackle, Charles Cross, goes to the Carolina Panthers. At number seven, the Giants, with their second pick, take cornerback Sauce Gardner. At number eight, you've got Jamison Williams, wide receiver from Alabama, going to the Atlanta Falcons. Seattle with the surprise of the top ten, taking Northern Iowa tackle Trevor Penning at number nine. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State, goes to the Jets at number ten. Then you've got Kyle Hamilton, the Washington Commanders, take him at number 11, the safety from Notre Dame. Minnesota Vikings in number 12, take Derek Stingley from from LSU. Number 13, Houston Texans take Georgia defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt. Number 14, Baltimore Ravens take Jermaine Johnson, the pass rusher from Florida State. Jordan Davis goes number 15 to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then Chris Olave at number 16 to the Saints. So, Ben, no quarterbacks off the board. No Drake London. No Trent McDuffie. No George Karlaftis. No Devin Lloyd. Obviously, a bunch of other big-time talents. Uh, who do you expect off the board first as we get into the second half of this mock draft? Well, I think we'll start to see a run on uh, some of these second-tier corners. The next wave of receivers, I think, are going to be really intriguing through the middle part of this draft. Some really good edge rushers as well. And then it's about time for the corner, the quarterbacks yep. to start coming off the board or maybe some teams to start coming up and get their guy based on the, the value or them sitting on the board. Um, yeah, I think the back end of round one is just as intriguing as the front side and just as unpredictable, if not more. All right, well, we'll go a little bit faster through the back 16 than we did through the front 16. Let's go to the Chargers here at 17. Daniel Popper does an outstanding job covering the Chargers, the senior writer for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel R. Popper. The pick is in. And with the 17th pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the L.A. Chargers select... Trent McDuffie, cornerback from Washington. Ben McDuffie off the board uh, to Brandon Staley on the Chargers. Uh, thoughts on the fit and the choice here. You called it. Uh, that next tier of corners, they're the first one off the board here in the back end of round one. I think that's a really good fit. And he's a guy I believe I compared to a Casey Hayward uh, at one point who has spent some time with the, with the Chargers at one point in his career. But I love Trent McDuffie and that kind of zone scheme. A guy that can play with his eyes in the backfield. Doesn't have exceptional length, but is very tough, very feisty, really good ball skills. Plays much bigger than I think his profile and his length would suggest. And I think a, a quarter scheme, a cover four scheme that Brandon Staley plays out there would be a really good fit for Trent McDuffie. So this is the analysis from Daniel. Pretty much a slam dunk. Only other player I think they would consider in this scenario is George Karlaftis. But Staley is always looking for corners, and McDuffie is a great fit in terms of skill set, versatility, competitive toughness, etc. Good marriage of value and need. The Eagles are now back on the clock. And Greg, I know you like McDuffie as well. Uh, what do you think about him here uh, in the top 20? Yeah, I know you want to move along, but I love McDuffie. Yeah. Love his game. I actually love the way he plays press as well. He yeah. he's physical, competitive. He pushed receivers right to the sideline. I think he's really, really good in zone. Mm. Two things stood out. I'll be really quick. Yeah, that's a good out. He had an understanding of down and distance, and it used to drive me nuts. I'm sure it drives Ben nuts too when he watches NFL tape when it's third and twelve and you see a corner jump around at forty yards. Yep. Um, I thought that McDuffie had a great feel for down and distance. Plus, I thought he had, he played with his eyes really well. When there were two receivers to his side, he had a great feel for reading two, reading one, understanding route concepts. I really love McDuffie's tape a lot. 
All right, let's get to number 18, the Eagles on the clock here and picking for the Eagles. Tommy Lawler, you can follow his work at eaglesblitz.com, scoutsnotebook.com. Follow him on Twitter at LawlerNFL. And the pick is in. And with the 18th pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Philadelphia Eagles select Drake London, wide receiver from USC. Uh, Greg, this has been one of the most popular mock draft selections for the Eagles, really all draft season. Uh, How do you think London fits in with this Eagles offense opposite Devontae Smith and with Dallas Goddard in there as well? Yeah, I mean, I think Drake London's a solid player. I didn't think he was special. Um, You know, I'm always leery. Um, and I know Ben can weigh in on this as well because I've heard him speak about it. Um, I'm always leery of receivers who make their bones by making contested catches. Um, I think London is obviously big. He's long. Um, he's got some fluidity to him, but he doesn't really have any juice or suddenness to his movement at all. Um, I, I just wasn't sure when I watched him if he's an ex-receiver in the NFL. He could well be. Maybe I'll be wrong. Um, I didn't see him at this level of player, but I've clearly been in the minority. Real quick from Tommy, I would have the Eagles. This is the, the analysis from Tommy. I would have the Eagles take wide receiver Drake London. He could play slot or outside, big, physical, good after the catch, good compliment to Devontae and Quez Watkins. Thought about Karlaftis, but London is too good to pass up. Uh, the Saints on the clock. Ben, you and I have talked plenty about London. Like I said, one of the more popular mock draft uh, selections for the Eagles. We talked about him almost weekly here on the show since last summer. If you've got anything you want to add, feel free. But uh, what do you think also for the Saints here after taking Chris Olave just a couple picks ago at 16? Yeah, real quick, Drake London here with the Philadelphia Eagles. I love the complementative skill set with the other receivers in the room. I love the positional versatility and actually loved his alignments uh, at USC in 2019 and 2020, where he played in the slot and the three trips much more often, got some matchups against safeties and linebackers, and looked much more athletic and more of a, a playmaker down the middle of the field. 2021, more of the X receiver, but he was on a meteoric uh, rate with his production as an X receiver. The thing with Drake London, I just really like as well, help alleviate some of the pressure on the quarterback. Just having that catch radius, the sure-handed, just doesn't make the quarterback have to be as accurate on a throw-to-throw basis. I think having someone that just alleviates a little bit of the accuracy pressure for quarterbacks is the name of the game with adding adding some of these uh, pass-catching weapons. All right, well, we have the Saints here at number 19 is selecting for the New Orleans Saints. Emery Hunt, the owner of Football Game Plan, also the co-host of the College Draft Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. And the pick is in. With the 19th pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the New Orleans Saints select Bernard Raymond, tackle from Central Michigan. Uh, Ben, it might seem a little bit early for Raymond, but to me, this is a very Saints pick. Thoughts on the selection here with this spot and what Raymond would bring from day one for New Orleans. Obviously, they're trying to replace Teron Armstead. Yeah, certainly. I think they have a clear need there at left tackle, probably one of the more glaring needs on their roster outside of the receiver position. Uh, All intents that Michael Thomas comes back as well. So I think their offensive line and their roster for the most part is ready to go for 2022. That defense is loaded up. A lot of veterans, offensive line, four out of the five spots are pretty much returning starters. Need to address that left tackle spot. So don't wait too long in the draft. You're able to get Olave, come back around and get a Bernhard Raymond. Reminds me a little bit of a Brian O'Neill coming out of Pitt, Mm -hmm. who's been a really nice right tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. He's a little bit underpowered in the lower half, which you typically get from the converted tight ends. 
but really athletic and I think is on a really good trajectory to getting better and better and better. That's an organization that has not been afraid to go small school players. So to get a group of five player with a low level of experience to tackle that, that is very, very Saints. Uh, and so uh, real quick from Emery, Bernard Raymond, they'll gamble on both the athleticism and the upside at a major position of need. I could also see Kyir Elam being the pick as well. He's an upgrade over P.J. Williams and would give them two young studs along with Paulson Adebo if they can't strike a long-term deal with Marshawn Lattimore. So Emery providing another option there potentially for the Saints. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are now on the clock. Greg, you and I have talked or have not talked about Raymond on this podcast. I'll get your thoughts here. Uh, the Saints lose to Ron Armstead. Do you feel like Raymond is the kind of guy that could come in and contribute potentially as a rookie? Yeah, I like Raymond's tape. I, I, it's funny what Ben said about being underpowered with his legs. I think he's actually really strong in his core. Um, and I thought that he really showed that. And again, you can argue the level of competition playing in the MAC conference. But but um, I like Raymond. I guess the concern is, too, that he's an older player. Um, he hasn't played the position that long. Um, so he's probably still ascending to some degree. Now he'll get NFL coaching. But I like Raymond. For instance, I like Raymond more than Penning. But, you know, that's that's me. Hey, really quick, you two. I think the conversation sometimes about older prospect is a little bit misconstrued at times because we're always thinking about getting the young guy and worried about the second contract. I got news for you. Sometimes we need someone that's ready to play with an NFL yeah. body, NFL mind. And if you're 24 or 25, that's okay. You're still allowed to play in this league as a first-year player being older. Some teams may prefer that, being yeah. an older roster team and a team that wants to compete right away, saying we don't want to go through the growing pains of a 21-year-old or look two, three years down the road for what he could be. We need somebody right now. So the age conversation, I think, goes both ways. I agree. All right, let's get to the Pittsburgh Steelers here, picking at number 20. For that selection, we're going to go to Matt Williamson, former scout for the Cleveland Browns, does Steelers radio. You can follow him on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL. And the pick is in. With the 20th pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Pittsburgh Steelers select... Malik Willis, quarterback from Liberty. Uh, ben, our first quarterback, goes off the board, and it's Malik Willis at 20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a match that the NFL has been buzzing about really since late January at the Senior Bowl. Now Mike Tomlin has his successor for Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, it seemed like there's a couple close calls in there with maybe a quarterback getting taken off the board yep. for the Steelers to sit there sweating all the way to pick number 20 and still get their quarterback of the future. They have Mitch Trubisky. They have Mason Rudolph to survive for the time being. I think one of these quarterbacks, maybe a couple of them, go to some great situations that they're not going to be thrusted in that lineup right away, which is a whole nother conversation. There's pros and cons, getting some experience, maybe sitting. That's for another show. But Malik Willis going to the Steelers, that's one that certainly has been lined up for a couple weeks, a couple months at this point for it all to kind of play out that way. And Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada to get their guy good for the Steelers. Yeah, that's how it was last year for with Najee Harris. Uh, there was a lot of interest in Devin Bush pre-draft yep. a few years ago, right? So they, they have been fine saying, yeah, like, we like this guy and we're not afraid. Who knows it? Uh, real quick from M-Dub, uh, Michigan safety Daxon Hill is a guy that I absolutely love for the Steelers at 20, but this is a no-brainer with Malik Willis still on the board. Pittsburgh sprints to the podium to bring Willis's immense talents to the Steel City where he won't be asked to play right away. Uh, the Patriots are now on the clock. And Greg, uh, you were on the quarterback show a few weeks ago. The three of us talked talked all about all of these quarterbacks. You've talked about Willis multiple times here on this podcast, but for Pittsburgh specifically in this scenario, Matt mentioned that he he would sit behind Mitchell Trubisky to start things off. At least that would be the plan. What do you think about Malik Willis with this offensive staff, Matt Canada, uh, the rest of that group, he's got some time to be able to, to, to grow and develop uh, thoughts on Willis in this situation to Pittsburgh. 
it's probably a good situation, assuming he doesn't play. I mean, they obviously signed Trubisky. Um, I think they'd like to run the football as their foundation with Najee Harris. Um, you know, we've seen with young quarterbacks that they often do play, and that's just the way the NFL is. In an ideal world, um, he wouldn't be starting week one because I think he's your classic case of a guy that has he has a big arm and he has really good athletic ability. When you get beyond that, there's much to learn. There's there's much in terms of a transition. Uh, people, of course, are enamored now in the NFL with players' ability to players' ability to make secondary action plays. Certainly, he can do that. So, in an ideal world, he really doesn't play very much, if at all, this year. And we'll see if that happens. It probably wouldn't. <laughs> and the really last thing is Steelers. I think they were the most philosophically confused offense in 2021. So I think there's a lot of things that happened last year that it's a throw it out the window. So I'm really excited for them to kind of turn the page, look to the future of that organization. And they have a pretty good roster. So I'm really excited for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, let's get to pick 21 here with the New England Patriots. And making that pick is Phil Perry, who covers the Patriots for NBC Sports Boston. Follow him on Twitter at Phil A. Perry. And the pick is in. With the 21st pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the New England Patriots select Zion Johnson, guard, Boston College. Uh, Greg, the Patriots traded Shaq Mason this offseason, so there's snaps to be had there in this offense. Uh, Based off my film study, Johnson is a guy who's up for that challenge. I mean, to me, Johnson's one of those guys that you can just plug in and play. He'll be good from day one. You won't have any concerns about him at all. He'll play guard. You know, he does have tackle experience, but I think he's ultimately a guard because he played tackle the year prior at Boston College. But, um, you know, in speaking with uh, Jeff Halfley, uh, the, the BC coach, he said that he's a guard, which I think he is. And I think he'll be a day one starter. Uh, from Phil, this is the analysis from Phil Perry. Uh, the Patriots have had success drafting guards on day two and day three, but they also got Logan Mankins in the first round, and it was a home run. Glaring need here. Lots of uncertainty on the offensive staff right now. The offensive line coach, offensive coordinator feels totally up in the air. You add a smart guy who's ready to go in and will keep the pocket secure for a young pocket passer. Don't roll the dice on a guard who might not be ready and put Mac Jones at risk. It's not sexy, but it's really valuable for the New England Patriots. Uh, the, the Green Bay Packers now on the clock. Ben, uh, were you surprised by Zion Johnson here? Or is there somewhere else you feel like the Patriots could have gone uh, if they decide not to go that direction? No, Zion's a really good player, ready to play, positionally versatile, scheme versatile. I think he's a little bit more suited for his own scheme. In the past, the Patriots have really relied on the gap and the power scheme, as you know, you could see in the body types of Michael Owainu and Trent Brown and some of those big body types. I think Zion Johnson has a little bit of a different profile, more of a narrow hip guy, maybe a little bit smaller in the lower half, but wins very quick off the ball. Kind of a seal and survive guy, in my opinion. I think he needs to get a little bit stronger, but adding some versatility to the body types in the offensive line room is part of figuring out who you are. The Patriots are definitely trying to figure out who they are going into second year Mac Jones. I did ask Phil if there was anybody else that he felt could be in play there. He said Devin Lloyd for sure. They need more speed on defense. They got a bunch of unknowns they're throwing out at that spot right now with Mac Wilson and McMillan and McCrone. But I think that they uh, can get there, can get by right there right now. They just got nothing at the second guard spot opposite on Wainu. So uh, just interesting note there from Phil Perry. Let's get now to uh, number 22 and the Green Bay Packers and selecting for the Packers in this situation. Chad Reuter, uh, researcher and analyst for NFL Media at Chad underscore Reuter on Twitter and the pick is in 
And with the 22nd pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Green Bay Packers select George Pickens, wide receiver from Georgia. Uh, ben, thoughts on George Pickens? Uh, does he feel like a Packers type of selection in your mind? What, what do you think about the fit there with Green Bay? Yeah, proverbial kind of X receiver. I think they're going to look to add some receivers throughout this draft as they clearly have a need on the roster right now with no uh, Devontae Adams there anymore. They went and got Sammy Watkins, brought back Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb is there, second year Amari Rogers. I think George Pickens is a really interesting receiver, a good size guy that's very explosive, very competitive, may turn it on, turn it off a little bit more than we would like, but I think his ability and his explosiveness is very intriguing at 6'3", 200 pounds, can run in the low 4'4s, win vertically, yet a very strong player. He's a guy that can win for himself or win within the scheme in some yards after catch opportunities. He's a really interesting player. I know there's some issues with maturity early on and some incidents here and there on the field, off the field. He's a really interesting player, and I think some of his best football might be ahead of him. He's a young guy. He's only played, you know, two and a half years at Georgia with the injury as well. So I think George Pickens is a great player, and it's going to be a nice piece for Matt LaFleur. Well, for Chad, here's the blurb here from Chad. His size, body control, and strong hands will be a great downfield asset to Aaron Rodgers. Pickens also is agile after the catch. He's able to turn short passes into big gains, much like Devontae Adams. If Pickens didn't get hurt, I don't think we'd be having a conversation between him and Traylon Burks, who could be a good fit, too, because of his physicality and after-the-catch ability. But I think Pickens is just more athletic and silky downfield. It was really between Burks and Pickens for Chad at this spot. Now, the Arizona Cardinals are on the clock, Greg. I know you're high on George Pickens. Uh, not, I know you had to like this selection as well. I love George Pickens. Um, I, I think George Pickens is the best receiver prospect in this class. Uh, I would have him just a touch ahead of Jamison Williams because of the size element to his game. Um, but I, I love George Pickens' tape. And, uh, you know, w- whatever it says about his immaturity, I don't know George Pickens. And I, I've read the reports just like everybody else has. But I think it was pretty impressive that he came back to play this year. He did not have to do that. He was coming out. He knew he was coming out. He did not have to come back and play in those last, what, three or four games, Ben? Was it something like that? A couple mm-hmm. games, yeah. Yeah, he did not have to do that. And he did. And whatever that says about him, I don't know, but I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, But I I think just in terms of his traits, uh, I had him as my number one receiver. And I've actually spoken to teams that have him that way as well. They did qualify that by saying they wouldn't be sure if they would draft him as such because of the other potential issues. But just in terms of the, the tape and the traits that he is their number one guy. Well, let's get to pick number 23 here. Selecting for the Arizona Cardinals is Josh Norris. Does outstanding job creating content for Underdog Fantasy, the host of the Underdog Football Show, at Josh Norris on Twitter. And the pick is in. And with the 23rd pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Arizona Cardinals select George Karlaftis, pass rusher from Purdue. Uh, Greg, Karlaftis goes to the Cardinals. Uh, This feels like the kind of player that fits in that system. They've got a a couple guys uh, with that similar kind of skill set. What do you think about the fit here for Vance Joseph with George Karlaftis? I think it's a good fit because I think Karlaftis, I I don't view him as an elite edge player, but I think there are multiple front defense. They move people around a lot. They stand people up. I think Karlaftis could fit that extremely well. I think he's a powerful guy in his upper body. I think he lacks lower body flexibility, so I think he needs scheme help. And I think they do a really good job scheming with their multiple front looks. 
Here's the blurb from Josh. Replacing Chandler Jones is pretty difficult. Uh, most are putting cornerback here, and that's definitely possible. He's not if run... Yeah, that's a, no question. <laughs> uh, that's definitely possible if a run on edge rusher happens. But with names like this and Evacati still available, it makes it easy. The Dallas Cowboys now on the clock. Uh, ben, uh, not a perfect one-on-one, uh, one-for-one comparison there with Carl Aftis and Chandler Jones, as, uh, as Greg said. In your mind, how do their games differ? What is the difference between what Chandler – obviously, we know Chandler Jones, one of the best pastors in the NFL. But stylistically, how is he different than what Carl Aftis brings to the table? Yeah, Chandler Jones is one of the longest, loosest, freakiest pass rushers yeah. I think I've ever watched. Uh, Way you know, different stylistically. My, yep. my yeah. time in studying film, we were both at O-Line Masterminds a few years ago yeah. where the whole room talked about Chandler Jones and how much of a unicorn he is and really got me to sit up in my chair and just how he respected he was. Carl Aftis, he's a strong player. He's athletic. He's more of an upper body winner. He wins with his hands, violent hand usage, not really a guy that's going to you know, bull people back into the pocket or turn the corner on you, but he's a strong run defender. He can slide inside. Yep. He's a perfect piece for those sub packages where they really like to kind of crowd the line of scrimmage with athletic chess pieces. And there's some third and five pluses where they have six defensive ends and linebackers up on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I think Carl Aptis is that perfect mold. So put Marcus Golden and Devon Kennard and Dennis Gardeck and all those kind of fun guys that, you know, have some ability to get up the field together. And I think Carl uh, Aftis fits in there. Let's get to pick number 24 here. Selecting for the Dallas Cowboys is Jeff Cavanaugh. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Time for Jeffrey. Check out his YouTube page, youtube.com slash Jeff Cavanaugh. And the pick is in. And with the 24th pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Dallas Cowboys select. Kenyon Green, guard from Texas A&M. Ben, I think Green checks a lot of boxes for this team. I think the selection makes a ton of sense. Uh, What say you? Yeah, absolutely. Left guard all day long. I think Kenyon Green here is exactly what I had highlighted on my sheet, trying to predict uh, who these picks are going to go to. But Kenyon Green, I think the Cowboys are in a little bit of a transition on that offensive line in front of Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott. Connor Williams is now off to the Miami Dolphins. I think Kenyon Green is a guy that's on a pathway to being an Elton Jenkins-style player that can literally play up and down the line in a variety of schemes. So I think the Cowboys got a day-one starter at left guard in the 20s of the first round. That's a home run right there. Here's the, the blurb from Jeff. This one comes down to Traylon Burks versus Kenyon Green. I think the Cowboys are hell-bent on fixing an offensive line that, despite what some metrics say, was terrible in the second half of last year. Protecting Dak Prescott is priority one. Kenyon Green is the selection. Uh, the Buffalo Bills now on the clock. Greg, uh, you know this Cowboys offense well. Uh, what does Kenyon Green bring to that group up front? Well, I think they still like to run the ball, and they couldn't do that last year very well yep. at all. Green's a good prospect. You know, the thing that struck me about Green was when he did have to play left tackle this year, I thought he actually played it pretty yeah. well. Now, I don't <laughs> think anybody sees him as, as a true left tackle in the league. He'll he'll play left guard, and he'll be a good one. And I agree with Ben, he'll be a day one starter. But he, he I was very impressed in the, in the games that I saw that he did play left tackle. I thought he played it well, and he was playing in the SEC. All right, let's get to the 25th pick here. Selecting for the Buffalo Bills, Sal Capaccio, who does an outstanding job covering the Bills for WGR 550 as a sideline reporter, Bills beat writer. Follow him on Twitter at Sal Sports. And the pick is in. With the 25th pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Buffalo Bills select 
Kyler Gordon, cornerback from Washington. Uh, this is the blurb uh, from Sal. Well, actually, before we get there, Greg, uh, I know you've studied Kyler Gordon. And I know you've studied him yeah. well. You've studied Trent McDuffie. Thoughts on how he transitions to that defense with Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott? I think he's a really good fit for that defense because he can play press man. He can play off coverage zone. They love their corners to be physical and aggressive. And that's what he is. Uh, Jimmy Lake, I'm sure he was the reason he's not at the University of Washington anymore, but he was their DB coach and then their head coach. And all those corners under his watch that they, they obviously recruited and he coached, they all are physical and aggressive. They all play off coverage extremely well. They have great ability to plant and drive in off coverage. They see things well. They play zone well, and they can line up and play press. And even though I don't believe they're looking for a slot corner in Buffalo because Teron Johnson's there, and I believe they re-signed him, Gordon does have inside-outside flexibility. So I, I really, this would, to me, it, the pick here for me would have been between Gordon or Andrew Booth. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny because when I asked Sal, he said that the pick was Gordon or Kyir Elam, uh, another corner uh, in this class from Florida. Yeah, he would have been interesting too because he also does have, oh, excuse me, inside-outside flexibility as well, yeah. predominantly outside of Florida. Um, Elam gives you more traits because he's 6'2", he's longer, he's more of that swagger press corner than to me, to me anyway, than an off-man corner. Um, or an off-coverage corner, whereas I think Booth and Gordon give you more if you're going to play off-zone. Off and um, so I would have thought between Booth and Gordon, but Gordon, is, to me, is a really good pick. And it's tough to say this about a first-round pick in the NFL draft. I think Kyler Gordon's one of the most underrated players in this entire draft. I agree. Yeah, an interesting player, no doubt, with his skill set, as Greg uh, kind of highlighted. Another player that's been linked to Buffalo has been Brees Hall, and I did ask Sal about that. I said, "Not were you buying the buzz? And he said, not really, because, you know, Brandon Bean has never has basically never operated like that as far as running backs. He has not spent big assets on them. I don't think that's his philosophy of building a team. But I will say uh, he's been very aggressive this offseason and gone a bit off script to try and win a Super Bowl. So potential uh, look out there for, for Brees Hall. That might be the ceiling there in terms of the running back draft slot in this class. Uh, now the Tennessee Titans are on the clock and uh, picking for the Tennessee Titans, Justin Mello, who covers the NFL, NFL draft for the Draft Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. The pick is in. And with the 26th pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Tennessee Titans select Traylon Burks, wide receiver from Arkansas. Uh, ben, one of the comparisons we have thrown around, around a lot with Traylon Burks is A.J. Brown. Uh, and now these guys are in the same offense. Uh, what do you think of that pairing? Yeah, and don't forget they got Robert Woods over there too. So there's yep. a bunch of tough guy receivers. Yeah. And Traylon Burks is a very interesting player, kind of that power slot, that thick slot player uh, that I think can do a lot of dirty work for Todd Downing's offense as well. Very versatile player. Just so you know, the, the eye-popping testing numbers made people sit up in their chair and say, wait, is he not as athletic and explosive as we thought? Put on the tape because he runs past SEC corners, runs through yeah. Alabama secondaries like it's nobody's business. So Traylon Burks, I think is a great pick here because I think the Green Bay Packers would have no problem maybe even double dipping at receiver in the first round if they walked away with Pickens and a Traylon Burks and immediately revitalized that receiving room. I think uh, Matt LaFleur would be uh, pretty happy about that. But Tennessee Titans, A.J. Brown, Robert Woods, Traylon Burks with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill brought over Austin Hooper and tight end spot. Got some nice parts on that offense. And that is a Mike Frable type of offense because there's yep. a lot of glass eating type of guys. 
it's just shocking to me that we're here in 2022 and we're not providing like the weight adjusted context to Traylon Burks running 455 at 225 pounds. Like the, the people are like, oh, he didn't test well. It's like, well, he's 225. He's not going to run four three. Like he's what, not. What AJ Brown run it? Right. Come on, like uh, it's, it's crazy that we're still at this point. The the blurb here from Justin, the Titans did not have enough depth at the wide receiver position a year ago, and injuries to A.J. Brown and Julio Jones really limited the effectiveness of that pass offense. GM John Robinson would be wise to avoid a similar mistake heading into 2022. Swapping out Robert Woods for Jones helps some, but it still makes them essentially too deep at the position and more is needed. Traylon Burks is an extremely physical route runner, and that can create for himself after the catch. The Titans like that profile. Sliding Burks into the lineup next to Brown would give the Titans the most physical one-two punch at wide receiver in the league. Greg, uh, thoughts here, just closing thoughts on Traylon Burks ending up at Tennessee. Yeah, I like Traylon Burks, and I couldn't agree more with Ben. This is what Mike Vrabel wants. He wants physical receivers. He wants his entire team to be physical. We know Robert Woods is one of the best blocking wide receivers in the NFL. Burks is a big man. You can line him up all over. He gives you versatility in your offense. You can put him in the backfield as well. Um, he has, in terms of deployment, I'm not saying he's the same player right now, but in terms of deployment, he has that Debo Samuel, Cordero Patterson feel to him that you can do those kinds of things with him and you give your offense a lot more formation versatility and you show the defense a lot more things and define things better for your quarterback. Well, selecting for the Tampa Bay Bucks here as we move to number 27 in this draft, John Ledyard from Pewter Report. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. And the pick is in. And with the 27th pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Tampa Bay Bucks select Devin Lloyd, linebacker from Utah. Ben, one of the comps we've thrown out uh, in terms of Devin Lloyd, there's been some Devin White uh, comparisons there. So now you get Devin White with Devin Lloyd. Uh, thoughts here on uh, Devin Lloyd ending up in Utah. Well, I don't know if I see that level of player and maybe explosive athlete as Devin White was being a former running back and one of the more elite, you know, explosive linebackers I think we've ever studied. But Devin Lloyd is a very versatile player and that he's played some Mike, some Will, spent most of his career in that Sam spot off the line of scrimmage. That makes him a really good pass rusher, good run defender, can play in space, plays passing lanes very well. He's a really interesting piece and that's a really cushy kind of situation to end up in because you have Devin White, you have Levante David, you have a lot of edge rushing pieces already. So just figuring out where Devin Lloyd fits in there. Maybe is he just a sub package guy, a special teamer early in his career? He's a smart player. You want to add to that locker room. This seems like a Todd Bowles type of pick all day long where he says, you know what? I don't care if we have a starting front seven already together. Devin Lloyd's too good to pass up. That's basically what John Echo did. This is the blurb from John. I was not expecting to draft a linebacker at 27 overall, but when a premier player in the draft falls this far, you've got to pull the trigger. Devin Lloyd is the best linebacker in the 2022 draft, capable of defending the run, covering and blitzing at a high level. With Devin White and Levante David entrenched as starters, Lloyd will be the number three linebacker and play situationally as a pass rusher on long and late downs. With David set to be a 33-year-old free agent, after the season, Lloyd will step in next to White as a starter in the near future. For, for the Bucks on draft day, I will believe they will select, if not Lloyd, Lewis Seen, Trey McBride, or Logan Hall if the board fell like this. So three names just to keep in mind here uh, with the Bucks there, Ben. And real quick, Fran, I think this is a big landing spot here, 27th overall, for them to trade out. So mm. I would predict way ahead of the draft, maybe two, three days out, the Bucks will not be picking here at 27 because I think this is prime country for another team to come up and get somebody they are desperately coveting. And as I'm browsing this roster of the Bucks, 
this team is ready to play a game tomorrow. I don't see a whole lot of needs uh, off the cuff here, which is the name of the game going into the draft. What does that do, Fran? Gives you flexibility on draft day. So maybe they don't have a need to address there at the back end of round one to maybe get two, three, day two picks in a very deep middle of the draft class. So I think the Bucks here at 27 are very interesting. Well, the Packers are up next on the clock. Uh, Greg, just overall thoughts on the Packers team. You know, they, they take uh, George Pickens earlier. So you get a wide receiver. Some people think they could double dip here. Do they go D-line? Do they go O-line? You know, potentially secondary. Thoughts on uh, the Packers as we sit here at this point in late round one. Um, well, Ben knows the Packers better than I do. Uh, you know, I, I, to me, and, and they may not do it just because it would be two receivers in round one, but I think there's receivers here to take. And I would not be surprised to see them based on our mock that that we're doing to see another receiver come off the board. Um, I think defensively, you can always go that route. I think you can always go for D line here, um, particularly since they had some losses, but um, uh, you know, receiver to me, there, there's, there's really good receiver. I hate to use the word value here players. who I would have no problem with the Packers taking at this point based on my film study. Uh, well, the, the Packers are up now at 28 and making the pick for Green Bay. Aaron Nagler uh, does a great job covering the, the Green Bay Packers for Cheesehead TV. Follow him on Twitter at Aaron Nagler. The pick is in. Now with the 28th pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Green Bay Packers select Lewis Seen, safety from Georgia. Uh, Greg, thoughts on Lewis Seen in that Joe Barry defense where there with the Packers? They still have their two safeties, do they not? Yep, Savage and Amos. I believe Amos is going into a contract year. I okay. can check that for Then it would make sense. But but I actually thought that their two safeties played very well last year. Um, Lewis Seen is a very intriguing prospect because of the way in which he plays. He, he plays like he's shot out of a cannon. He's long. He's straight-line, linear, athletic. Um, he's not really a change of direction transition guy. He did play on the back end quite a bit at Georgia. Um, I don't know if you see him that way in the NFL. Um, he did match up to tight ends at Georgia quite a bit. That was part of his responsibilities. So he was asked to do an awful lot of things within the context of that Georgia defense, and he did them well. But he's an attitude player because when he when he sees it, he goes. It's it's see ball, hit ball. I mean, he's that kind of player, and he brought it. So uh, you know, he's a good prospect, uh, but. And, and I'm sure the Amos situation is the reason for the pick. But I thought their two safeties, and Ben, chime in here because you watch them more carefully than I do. I thought their two safeties played well a year ago. Yeah, I think Amos and Savage were definitely uh, two of the better playmaking safeties. That may mean that Savage rolls down and takes over that star nickel spot where they yep. seem to have a hole with Shannon Sullivan moving on in free agency. I think yep. Lewis Seen is a first-round player all day long, explosive, long, rangy. Maybe the best top-down safety in this class. I think that would be a great quarters cover four safety for Joe Barry to fit in that scheme. But I think it's very interesting to see who else they might consider here. I think Dax Hill was certainly in play to maybe take over more of that natural star spot. So how they view maybe Darnell Savage is really the trickle effect on who they're going to fill out the rest of that DB room with. Well, here's the, the the blurb here from Aaron. With the amount of three safety packages they like to run in Barry's defense, coupled with both Amos and Savage coming up on the end of their deals, Green Bay looks to get a talented safety. I think there's a chance they take an offensive tackle in this scenario, but they I think they'd be hard-pressed to pass on Lewis Seen. Uh, the Chiefs are now on the clock and selecting. Hey, Fred, can I just say one thing? Yeah. I think that Dax Hill is a really interesting pick for Green Bay. And, and obviously they, they picked Seen in Armach, but, you know, to me, Hill – because of what he did in college, 
Bill played field safety in their base and played slot corner in their in their sub. And if you want to think in terms of Shannon Sullivan being gone and, and needing a slot corner with a player that essentially can be on the field, he maybe wouldn't be on the field all the time as a rookie. Dax Hill is a fascinating possibility for Green Bay to me. Well, He's a very high-level player, Greg. He's an that Alabama kid. flip at the very last minute. This is mm. a very, very high-level prospect. We'll, we'll keep that in mind here as we move to pick yes. number 29, selecting for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Eric Edholm, uh, who does a great job uh, covering the NFL draft for Yahoo Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. And the pick is in. And with the 29th pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Kansas City Chiefs select... Daxton Hill, safety from Michigan. Uh, Greg, two safeties off the board here in a row. Uh, we just yeah. got done talking about Daxton Hill. My love gut it. says uh, you love this pick with this scheme with Steve Spagnuolo. Oh, love it. Uh, Daxton Hill, and again, you know, we all have our favorites based on tape. You know, it's not as if we're sitting around with these guys, you know, having a beer. You know, we're watching tape in our offices. Uh, I love Daxton Hill's tape a lot. I thought he was gifted enough that if you chose to, to make him an outside corner in the NFL, he could do that at six feet with his length, his explosiveness. But as I said, he was a field safety and base, played slot corner and sub. I, I think Daxton Hill fits the NFL game exceptionally well. I think in a Steve Spagnoli defense, it's it's a perfect fit. Perfect. So that, that to me would, would be a great pick for the Chiefs. Ben, the, the Chiefs go defense here with their first pick. Uh, you think they have to go wide receiver here, or do you think they could potentially go uh, and stay on that side of the ball uh, here with this one? Obviously, some pass rush help uh, could be used as well. Yeah, I don't think there's there's really any glaring need. I think Andy would love to add a couple more toys and weapons as he's gone to that well a few times at the back end of round one. But I love the Dax Hill pick there. He's a guy I've been kind of comparing to the way Legereus Sneed came out of La Tech, the way he tested, the way he's used in Steve Spagnuolo's defense, where any given snap, he might be the strong safety, the nickel, he could play corner in a pinch. Look at the way Sneed tested, too. Very high-level prospect coming out. Dax Hill, almost identical. So I think that's a really good pick. And a lot of people have to remember, Honey Badger's gone. Honey Badger did a lot of different things for that defense. And the way Greg set him up and all the things Dax Hill did, that's a perfect one-for-one replacement. All right, well, let's get to the next pick here. Number 30, Kansas City Chiefs up again and picking for the Chiefs in this slot. Eric Eager does a great job with R&D for PFF. Uh, Pro Football Focus, you can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. The pick is in. And with the 30th pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Kansas City Chiefs select Jahan Dotson, wide receiver, Penn State. Uh, Ben, there goes that wide receiver. Uh, Thoughts on Dotson and how he complements what the Chiefs have there now. You've got Travis Kelsey, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling comes over from Green Bay. You have Juju Smith-Schuster, Nicole Hardman. How do you plug in Jahan Dotson into that equation? Well, Jahan Dotson, I think he's an excellent receiver, a guy that maybe has a slightly diminutive frame, but plays much bigger. I think he's very competitive at the catch point, whether with a corner on his back or some adjustments. Very, very productive and technically sound route runner. Almost every movement is very deliberate in his release package, knows how to set up leverage, attack leverage, use his head. He separates and catches the football, separates and catches the football. Don't lose sight at what the receiver position is about. Separate and catch the ball. And I think Jahan Dotson really embodies both those traits. Well, let's get to the the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Greg, I know you're a Dotson guy as well. Uh, just real quickly, oh, what do you think of this pick for Kansas City? I would love it because I think he's a three-level guy, and I love what Ben said. He is fearless over the middle of the field. 
despite his size. There's a lot of guys who are bigger who are not. He is fearless. He's competitive. And he gives you a vertical dimension. And he gives you all the other things that are part of Andy Reid's offense with the jet sweeps and all those other things. He's not a one-for-one one for Tyreek Hill. But I think that he, in terms of deployment, he can do those kinds of things. And the type of player I think he could be, and it's not a one-for-one one comp as they never are, but the way Tyler Lockett has really survived in this mm. league, in the way he plays so much bigger, Tyler Lockett is tiny. Yeah. But he goes up and competes and catches things in traffic and with corners on his back, knows how to separate vertically, yet can win underneath in the quick game. I think that type of mold would be really interesting kind of projection for uh, Jahan Dotson. All right, let's get to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals here at number 31. Joe Goodberry uh, making the pick here. All things Bengals. Make sure you go follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, one of the go-to sources for that Cincinnati team. And the pick is in. And with the 31st pick in the 2022 NFL Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Cincinnati Bengals select Kair Elam, cornerback from Florida. Uh, Greg, I know you studied Elam. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, you also did a lot of work on that Lou Anaramo defense, especially on their run to the Super Bowl. Uh, how does Elam fit in that kind of defensive scheme? Well, Elam, to me, is a at his best, and this is what he did a ton of, he's a press man corner with swagger, physicality. He will jam you. Um, you know, I think that every team in the league now wants corners who can give you that because of the changing nature of the NFL. Because You wrote swagger in your report, Greg? I did. You were Believe so what trendy. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I think that with the changing nature of the NFL game, too, in, in the past game, you know, obviously in normal down and distance situations with so much more RPO, so much more quick game, you're not going to uh, disrupt the quarterback. You're not going to get there. So you have to disrupt receivers. And I think Elam is that kind of player. I think he's an attitude player at corner. He's physical. He's long. And he's actually pretty explosive. He's pretty sudden. To me, he's a high-level traits player. And to me, he's a first-round corner. Well, here's the blurb here from Joe Goodberry. I think the Bengals would love to address defense in this spot. They've spent loads of cap space on defensive free agents, but only have four drafted starters on that side of the ball. Corner being a premium position, and with Eli Apple manning one side on a cheap one-year deal, I think Cincinnati will look for a boundary corner. After the top two corners are taken, I think the next handful could go in any order. And I was hoping for Kyler Gordon or Kyer Elam and was happy to see one of them remain at pick 31. Tyler Linderbaum should be in consideration here. And if it were up to me, that's where the Bengals would go. But I believe they want to give last year's second-round pick, Jackson Carmen the chance to develop and be a starter. They've signed three new linemen in free agency. They drafted three last year. They'll probably skip over offensive linemen in the first two days of this draft. Now, the Lions are on the clock with the last pick. Ben, you are in utter disbelief. Uh, but again, I, this is what I love is I love when we get the, these people on. And look, there's something to be said for the mock drafts where it's like, tell us what you would do. I prefer personally what you think the team would do because I, I want to try and get this to uh, what the teams would do. And so I love Joe giving us the, the explanation there on why not Tyler Linderbaum. I know that shocked you. Yeah, I just thought the planets aligned there to add that interior offensive lineman that I think they still desperately need. I know they addressed some of the offensive line in free agency, like Lyle Collins is going to be the right tackle, Alex Kappa at right guard. Ted Karras seems like he's their starting center at the moment. Jackson Carmen, second-year player out of Clemson, was a left tackle, moved to guard. I don't think he's going to slide into center. So I would still like to continue to add young pieces and competition to that offensive line. Keep Joe Burrow upright, please. Run the football. We all saw the fire he was under last playoffs last season, the year before. Keep adding pieces to that offensive line group. 
31, Tyler Linderbaum, you know, at one point was a top 10 pick still sitting there on the board. I just thought the planets aligned perfectly for him to get that, but there's still some other good players on the board there. So uh, they obviously have some other needs in elsewhere and on the defensive side. All right, well, let's get to uh, this last pick. Detroit Lions on the clock here. Josh Liskowitz, the senior data collector, uh, collection analyst for PFF. He's going to jump on uh, to give us this selection. Follow Josh on Twitter at PFF underscore Josh. The pick is in. And with the 32nd pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft extravaganza, the Detroit Lions select Jaquan Brisker, safety, Penn State. Greg, let's go to you for Jaquan, because I know you're a big fan uh, of this player. Uh, I know you love this pick. Tell us why. Oh, I think Jaquan Brisker is a classic case of you keep watching tape. He's not a purely explosive athlete, so you keep watching him and watching him, and you realize that he does every single thing really well for a safety. He's just not an explosive, sudden athlete. I kept thinking, watching Jaquan Brisker, of Micah Hyde and, and Jordan Poyer. Guys like that who do everything well, but they're not explosive, dynamic movers. But everything you want a safety to do, he can do at a pretty high level. So I think Brisker, to me, without knowing Jaquan Brisker, seems like the kind of guy that is going to play early in his career as a starting safety and be very good for you for a long time. Well, here's the blurb from Josh. He says, safety is one of Detroit's biggest needs heading into this week. And while the signing of Deshaun Elliott helps, he's only under contract for one year. And the Lions need a versatile coverage player capable of matching it up against slot receivers as well as playing against the run. Brisker's willingness to walk up to the line of scrimmage and punch receivers in the mouth without fear screams Dan Campbell pick and his athleticism (laughs) complements his physicality very nicely. Ben, I know you like this pick as well. Yeah, that's a fantastic blurb right there. That's a, exactly how Jaquan Brisker plays. That's what I, all that's all I wanted to contribute to say. He is so physical. He will stick his face in the fire. He will throw his body around. He's got really good length. He's got a kind of a cornerback background as well from yep, high yep. school. So you yep. can see the ball skills. This guy can do a lot of different things over the middle of the field for that defense that I think is trying to figure out who they are, particularly through the second level and the back end. So keep adding high level versatile players, whether you know, Akuda is an inside guy, outside guy, what you have with Awarie and some of those guys. You know, Jaquan Brisker, Trayvon Walker, those seem like Dan Campbell picks for the Lions. Uh, Greg, the, the exercise is done. The 90-minute mock draft here, uh, it's always fun to be able to kind of go team by team, and especially when we get others' perspective in terms of what they Without think question. from a local standpoint. No, that was a lot of fun. I mean, as long as I didn't have to do the, make the picks, Fran, I'm good with anybody's mock draft. <laughs> was there was there one pick or moment that kind of stands out? He was like, wow, that, that one kind of surprised me a little bit. I know uh, the Seattle taking Penning in the top 10 uh, may have shocked you. Was there any other moments where you're like, oh, that, oh, that would be I guess what surprised me overall, and I'm very curious to see how the, the real draft plays out, was the lack of quarterbacks going yeah. in, in the first round. There was only one, correct? Only one. There was Malik Willis at 20. And I don't know if that's the way the draft will play out. Maybe yep. it will. Um, certainly the players that were drafted in this particular mock draft I think with very few exceptions, we'd probably all say we're worthy in this particular draft of being first round players. Um, So, you know, I can't argue with the picks. Um, Obviously, you, myself, Ben, might have differing opinions on some of the players. That's fine. That's the way it should be. But um, I'm very curious when the real draft happens, if indeed only one quarterback goes in the first 32. That would surprise me, to be honest. Well, Ben, you and I have done the mock draft roundup every single week here uh, on this podcast. And uh, one of the things you love to do is say, all right, well, we've gone through the 32 picks. 
who's left. And so I kind of mm-hmm. saved you a little bit of the trouble. I have some of the big names. Uh, and I want to know what stands out to you because there was one thing that stands out to me. Uh, Greg, I 100% agree with you. Only one quarterback going off the board does surprise me a little bit. No Kenny Pickett, no Matt Corral, no Desmond Ritter, no Sam Howell, no running backs off the board. So they're all available. No Christian Watson, wide receiver from North Dakota State. No Sky Moore from Western Michigan at wideout. No tight end selected. Uh, Tyler Smith, the left tackle from Tulsa, not picked. Tyler Linderbaum from the center from Iowa. He's still on the board. Pass rush. That's what really stood out to me is that. Arnold Abicati, still on the board. Boye Mafe from Minnesota, still on the board. David Ojabo, there's plenty of buzz. He's still going in round one. He's still on the board. Nick Benito from Oklahoma, still on the board. So that one was the biggest shock for me. Uh, Logan Hall, Travis Jones, Perry and Winfrey at defensive tackle. Uh, N'Kobe Dean and Quay Walker, still available at linebacker. You have Andrew Booth uh, at corner as well. Roger McCreary uh, at corner as well. Uh, ben, big standouts in terms of who was left? Um, yeah, I thought you hit on, you know, a a lot of them there. And I think that's kind of the way things have been trending. And, you know, particularly two guys, I look at Brees Hall falling to the probably early second round, Jalen Petrie out of Baylor. They both really embody the stock and profile of where Javante Williams and Javon Holland went last year. One of those first picks off in day two. So I think there's some guys here that you had just mentioned that are going to be flying off the board. They're early between 33 and 38, you know, in that second round there. So I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think the way the board falls like this, you're going to see a lot of movement, I think, from 25 to 32 at the back end of round one. Because grades are going to be all over the place. Yes. And some of those guys you had mentioned, there might be some teams with some top 15 grades on that they say, you know what, he's sitting there at 30 it's too good to be true. We have to go up and get this guy and we can't miss on him. So I think you're going to see a lot of movement if this is the way the board falls. Yeah. It's going to be a really, really fun draft uh, just to watch from a coverage standpoint. Uh, Ben, uh, thanks so much, Greg. This was awesome. Thanks to you both. And we will talk to you soon here on the journey of the draft podcast presented by life brand. So great stuff there from Ben and from Greg. Again, I, I expect that we went 32 for 32 uh, with this exercise. Always fun. It's one of my favorite podcasts of the entire year. Again, just a quick reminder, make sure you tune in to Eagles Draft Central. If you're an Eagles fan, you do not want to miss our analysis. Myself, Gabriella DiGiovanni, Ross Tucker, Dave Spadaro. We're going to have a whole group of guests. We're going to have all kinds of analysis. Tune into all of our coverage, PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles social pages, everywhere you get your Eagles content. Tune in to Eagles Draft Central Thursday, Friday, Saturday right here on all of your Eagles digital channels. That said, we'll be back uh, Thursday night. We're going to have our podcast, myself, Dane Brugler, Ben Fennell, reacting to all of the Eagles picks each and every day. Tune in right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand.